Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, what's ahead for 2023? With special guest me, Darren Pulsifer, your host. Hey, on today's episode, it's just me again. Guys, we're going to talk about what's ahead in 2023, not just for the podcast, but also where we're seeing digital transformation trends moving forward in uh, 2023. Most definitely, 2023 is a year of uncertainty with a lot of economic change that we're seeing, um, a lot of st- supply chain shortages that we're still dealing with. There's a lot of uncertainty in uh, the markets, but I found six trends that I think we're going to see big in 2023. And uh, some, hey, some of my fellow travelers believe the same thing. I looked at some of their blogs, some of their reports too, and they kind of line up with what I was thinking as well. So let's go through them. There are six, of course, I love the number six for, for these sorts of things. The first one, and probably the one we'll see the most of this year, um, unfortunately, is cybersecurity. I think it's going to be big this year. I think we're going to have some major breaches as the war continues to go on in Russia and Ukraine. Um, I think that's going to spill over into other countries as far as cyber warfare uh, goes. And so we're going to see a lot in, in that. I'll talk about that. Um, edge computing, I think, will continue to grow and we'll see more of that. I also think because of the shortage in in, uh, in supply of um, human resources of of uh, people, uh, we're going to see an uptick in automation this year, a big uptick, I think. Um, we're also going to see some changes in cloud technology, not in the offerings that are given, but we're going to see a rise in some of the regional cloud service providers, and we're going to see a big rise in the multi-hybrid cloud uh, concept. And... I also think, uh, and here are two big ones, somewhat controversial ones, but I think data management is going to be a forefront this year as our um, as our workloads are scattered all over the place and our data is scattered all over. I think we're going to see more importance put on data management and data governance. And then last, most controversial will be, I think we're going to see something big in Web 3.0, which includes a whole bunch of different things, which uh, we'll talk about. So, hey, let's dive right into the first one, which is cybersecurity. Uh, This was huge last year, but I think it's going to be huge again this year. And I think the reason why is because we're going to see an increase in the number of threats. I think the sophistication of the attacks have increased dramatically. And I think uh, nation states are going to come as a bigger player in cybersecurity, both offensive and defensive. And I think some of those uh, tools that they use are going to get out into the public more. We're going to start seeing uh, script kitties out there causing problems. I also think we're going to see um, more awareness of ransomware and more techniques to combat ransomware and to deal with ransomware effectively. And probably one of my biggest concerns that I have this year, and I've voiced this a couple times to some of my colleagues, is I think critical infrastructure is going to be under attack this year, uh, which is really kind of scary for me as I uh, look at critical infrastructure as very vulnerable still, as uh, they're still using a traditional um, model of isolation, which has worked in the past, but uh, with some of the new cyber tech techniques, um, they are 
overcoming um, isolation, overcoming that traditional Purdue model that uh, OT professionals uh, and managers of critical infrastructure have been uh, leveraging for decades now. Um, it's starting to fall apart a little bit. So I'm a little concerned about that. We'll have to see how that goes. Now, it's not all doom and gloom on cybersecurity. There are some really great new tools and techniques and technology that have that are being deployed now as we speak. Some new standards that are coming out in this area. For example, zero trust. We're seeing a lot of uh, cybersecurity um, around zero trust. Architecture, they call it. A lot of it is more around philosophy. I haven't seen one product yet that offers end-to-end -end zero trust architecture from endpoint management all the way into the data center and access across multiple clouds and, and data center and edge and all. No, no one has something like that um, quite yet. I see a lot of pieces and parts fitting together for that. But I see most organizations starting to really adopt zero trust philosophy in the way that they do their cybersecurity. And, and frankly, a lot of the tools that they have today can be used in that same philosophy. It requires process change and process improvement, which is the second thing I really see a big um, improvement in in this year. There's a lot of really good cybersecurity hygiene best practices that are out there. I am hoping, I am really hoping that OT professionals start adopting some of these cybersecurity things that we've been doing in the IT space for some time. In fact, I'm hoping so much about it. I'm actually doing research for a PhD dissertation on the subject. Um, and my, my dissertation goes something like uh, finding the key uh, critical factors that are impeding OT from adopting IT cybersecurity best practices or some big title like that. But it's important and we need to find out what those impediments are so we can overcome them. I think part of the reason why we see that is the OT professionals have been isolated from cyber attacks because of the Purdue model that they've been using where they isolate their network from the internet, from OT, uh, from IT in their own um, companies, but we're starting to see that break down. Um, so there's some things that we got to do around that. And last and probably the most, um, the, the most valuable um, thing moving forward is hardware root of trust and other hardware-enabled security techniques like hardware-enabled encryption, um, hardware secure enclaves and confidential computing. These are all built into the hardware, much harder to overcome with cyber attacks than software uh, that were doing some of these things before. So uh, I think this is going to be a really good year for cybersecurity as far as new technologies, new techniques, new processes, but we're going to need some cultural change to make that happen, especially around critical infrastructure, like I've mentioned. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about it this year on the podcast because, uh, to me, it's so important that we educate and that uh, we help um, with cyber hygiene, some basic things that we can do across the industry. Okay, all of that, cybersecurity is really important. Um, but as everyone knows, no one likes to pay for cybersecurity up front. They only like to pay for it when something's happened. And all your CISOs are out there. You're, you're like, yeah, I, I hear that all the time, right? Believe me, we're going to get some money for cybersecurity this year. But I think we're going to get even more money in automation. And I think we're going to get more money and investment in automation because 
it is still a tight job market out there. It is still hard to find people uh, to do things. So we're starting to see organizations spend money on automation tools to automate some of the work that was done, some of the um, more repetitive work that is done by employees that they can't hire anymore because they can't find them. Um, and I think the cost benefit um, is there now. I think uh, automating with either no code or low code or or even sometimes uh, coding up automation, I think all three of those are going to grow more uh, this year. And there's some great platforms out there. I, we're going we're gonna to hear a lot about these platforms this year. We have, I went back and looked at um, all the podcasts I've done, all 119 of them. Uh, so far, 120, somewhere in that range. Um, and we have quite a few on automation. So go back and take a look at embracingdigital.org. You can uh, type in automation and it'll tell you all the podcasts that we did about automation, both RPA automation um, and um, also the beginnings. And we're starting to see this of AI. And I think AI is going to be a huge thing this year. I think the thing, it, it kind of blossomed a little bit last year with chat GPT. I've been playing around with this. Oh my goodness. It is pretty cool, I have to admit, and I can see people starting to use it. I've even talked to some of my fellow solution architects. They're using um, chat GPT to help them uh, with some of their solution architect work, which I think is fascinating. Uh, like which design pattern is best used for this situation, and they get a list of them where before they would have to be hunting and pecking uh, through uh, books or through articles. Uh, so I'm starting to see these, uh, let's call them assistants, um, being a, a big tool that um, we're going to see people use more and more of this year, um, and that's all in that AI space. I also see people looking at process improvement and not just doing evolutionary process improvement, but complete re-architecting processes in their organizations to start throwing out some of that bureaucratic steps that were there because they've been there for decades and we've always done it this way. We're gonna see some re-engineering of some of those processes in a big way this next year to simplify and to automate those processes as much as possible. And on top of all this automation, we have already seen a big, huge uptick in a hardware-enabled AI that's going to make automation much easier to handle. Because some of the parts in automation that are difficult is handling all the variability and handling fuzzy inputs. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big problem, right? Um, AI can look for patterns and things like that that can help in that automation. We're seeing a huge opportunity in hardware-enabled AI um, in both the cloud service providers, which are offering it, and, um, of course, in uh, the chips that you can buy, uh, both CPUs, GPUs, and other accelerators like normorphic computing and, and things like that. You're going to see more of that uh, this year, and I think this is going to be a big year for AI to kind of break out a little bit. And I think you can uh, look at OpenAI as one of those um, organizations that are really going to provide really valuable AI tools for people to use um, in helping them get their jobs done faster and more effectively. 
And that's part of all that automation um, aspect that we're seeing. Okay, next on the docket, it is edge computing. Now, this, is, this has been a darling of mine. I really love the concept of edge computing as CPUs uh, become lower wattage and more capable at the edge. Um, the edge, with all the crazy sensors we have out there, are, are generating just tons of data, right? We're talking zettabytes of data now. I think we're going to see a big change this year where we can truly manage the edge. There's lots of great tools out there. And we can start doing more inference at the edge. We've got low wattage inference um, tools like normorphic chips out there, even low wattage CPUs out on the edge that can actually do some work for us, which is really valuable instead of moving 4K streams of data back to a data center to be analyzed for object detection. I can now do that right at the edge. And instead of sending gigabytes of streaming video data, I can send kilobytes of object data that I found instead. Big, huge, we're talking several factors. So I can actually manage more edge devices and get the data off of those devices that I need and do it more effectively. Um, and that's not for every case, but there's a lot of cases that I can start looking at that. So we're gonna see more of that um, starting to come. Also, additionally, we're seeing um, a new emphasis in sensors and different kinds of sensors. Um, I've talked to a couple companies and they are gonna come on the show this year that are doing custom sensors that do um, chemical um, detection, virus detection, uh, smell chips, odor detection. It's crazy the types of sensors that are coming out. We'll see uh, increased use in LiDAR, and um, video together and meshing, having sensor fusion to help with that. And then I also think we're gonna see a rise in 5G and private 5G so that um, organizations can take more, uh, uh, a better approach to connecting all these sensors with a more reliable 5G, private 5G um, type of network which I think will be uh, a very interesting uh, move forward. As we put more devices on the edge, we're gonna need security. As it goes back to that cybersecurity thing, we're gonna need trusted IoT devices. I know I deployed that device. I know that device, the data I'm getting from that device is trusted. I could tell it hasn't been tampered with. We're gonna see more of that uh, to prevent spoofing um, IoT devices out there. Uh, we're going to have to do these sorts of things uh, to really make IoT and edge edge computing really valuable. Um, we're going to see in the in the key areas. I think edge computing. We're going to see a lot of a lot of changes this year. Is critical infrastructure management um, as uh, we're starting to see more attacks on critical infrastructure, cyber attacks. We're going to have to put smarter devices out on the edge to do more detection of cyber events. Uh, and more trusted IoT devices out there. So I know when I'm updating that is coming from a trusted device. It, we're gonna have we're gonna see, I'm hoping, I'm just hoping the beginnings of an overhaul of the way we think about OT and critical infrastructure. Um, some other big areas I think we're gonna see um, edge computing uh, make some progress in is building 
manufacturing for sure, and healthcare. Uh, we're already seeing an uptick in healthcare, making our edge devices on like um, hospital beds more um, uh, reliable. We're going to see them be more autonomous where they can move around the hospital, especially enabled by 5G. We don't have cables everywhere and a bed can move around with a patient more reliably and keep uh, vital information about that patient in a protected way. So I think there's lots of really cool use cases around Edge that we're going to uh, see blossom uh, this year. Okay, the most controversial one, and I'll jam it here right in the middle, Web 3.0. Now, all right, there. I know you guys are all like going, Darren, Darren's talking crypto again, right? He's just trying to talk up his crypto, you know, um, whatever coin you have out there. Well, all right, I do have some crypto. I'll admit to it. It's in the tank. I don't ever see getting that money back out. But I do see an uptick in the technologies around Web 3.0, like distributed secure ledgers. I think as we look at ways that we can secure our supply chain more effectively, especially around software bombs, uh, software bill of materials, we're going to start looking at distributed secure ledgers uh, to make sure that there aren't changes to software. That's where a lot of the attacks have happened recently in the DevOps pipeline uh, where um, we weren't even keeping a ledger. Um, but people were having access to um, bombs and changing bombs and adding libraries. I think we're going to see a mesh of distributed secure ledgers with software build systems to provide a more secure software bomb. I also think the metaverse, the metaverse keeps going up and down. I, we may see some uptick in that this year. I'm kind of hoping we do because there's a lot of promise around the concept of the metaverse and AR and VR uh, combined together. I, I see something there. I also see as um, the banking is happening today, right, where we've got central banks that are trying to control inflation and, um, and pump up economies. I think we're going to see crypto kind of creep back in again as a decentralized alternative. Uh, but that's just me thinking. And we most definitely are going to see new uh, use, use models for blockchain. Um, uh, even as much as I've interviewed a company recently, I'll have them on the show, that are talking about a reliable storage of critical data in a blockchain. Um, instead of just having normal backups, I'm now backing it up into a blockchain uh, where it's high, I need, it's very important that I keep this data around as highly critical data. Um, so we're gonna see some interesting uh, uses of Web 3.0 this year. Um, I'll keep my pulse on it for you and, and we'll talk about it on the show for sure. All right, let's get into things that are, they sound a little mundane. We've been talking cloud for years. We've, we've talked cloud for years. Last year was a banner year for the cloud service providers as um, their, their revenues went up. I think it was like 20.8% last year. That's huge. I think we're going to see some changes um, this year. And I think that's because the big boys, the big cloud service providers had some reliability problems this last year. Everyone knows about it. No one really wants to talk about it too much, but they had some reliability problems. And a lot of organizations that require four nines 
um, or even three nines weren't even getting nine, two nines last year. It's pretty pathetic. Um, unless they had a multi-cloud or multi-region um, architecture where they really relied on um, multiple locations and multiple clouds to handle their reliability. Then they were able to do that. So I think those lessons learned, we're going to see more of that multi-cloud. I also think we're going to see some repatriation of workloads back into the data center as uh, the cost of operating data centers has come down a little bit as the capabilities of the CPU have gone up dramatically. Um, processing per watt has decreased dramatically in the data center. So I think we're going to see some repatriation uh, this year to control costs. I think a lot of the costs in the cloud were a little uh, out of whack for some people because they didn't truly understand the cloud operating model. Um, so they're going to start looking at changing the way they, they do cloud to a cloud smart way of doing things uh, where my workloads can be more portable across multiple clouds um, and with managing my data more effectively because the biggest cost a uh, surprise i should say the biggest cost surprise that people are seeing frankly is the egress costs of moving your data out of a cloud uh, so we're going to see some really interesting data uh, architectures come out of this that are almost like diode data diode type of architectures where i put data in but it never comes back out and i may have multiple copies of the same data going out but that data never comes out. Only inference from that data comes out. Smaller data sets come out, which I think is going to be that. We may see something like that. So I think we're going to see some shifts in cloud this year. The cloud service providers are most definitely going to compete on services. I think they need to step up to the security problems that we have, uh, which is that shared security, the shared responsibility security model. I think they're going to do more education for their customers on how to do that effectively because it's a very difficult thing to do if you're not used to it. And I think a lot of cloud service providers um, know that's a problem because their customers maybe say, well, I don't even need a security team because the cloud is handling security for me. And they're shouting, no, no, you still need to manage your security. It's still your stuff. We don't manage all of your security um, because there are things that you can do to actually uh, thwart the security measures that the cloud service providers have put in. So we're going to see more education in that space. I think the cloud service providers know that, and they want to do the best for their customers in this case. So there you go. All right, the last but not least, and this is a big one for me. I love what we're seeing in data management, and we're seeing most of it coming because of locality of data. I've got data spread all over the place, especially when I start looking at um, the edge. As the edge has become more capable, I'm collecting more data at the edge. What do I do with that data? How long do I keep it? Who has access to it? If I'm doing inference at the edge, where does that data, the inferred data go? We also see something very fascinating with COVID. And we have I haven't seen anyone really come up with a good solution to this yet. It is my laptop. It is an edge device now. I've got critical information on that edge. And you're thinking, Darren, we've done that. We know how to do that, right? We just sync it into the cloud and it's managed in our, in our cloud security model that we have. But my question to a lot of you is video conferencing. Where are those videos landing? 
Are they secure? What's the governance model around that? These are a lot of questions people aren't really thinking about. Or I'm starting to see the rise of AI, where there's an AI guest on my on my uh, uh, web conference, and it is transcribing everything that's said. Who's doing that transcription? Which SaaS model am I using? Is that data protected? Who's doing the security audits on all that? There's a lot. Where is that data reside? Is it there temporarily or do they keep copies? This all fits into this data management, which includes four key areas that I like to call locality, classification, governance of the data, and a new term that was taught to me by um, Macrometa, which you're going to see a podcast by Macrometa this, uh, this year on data spoilage. What, Darren, what are you talking about? Data spoilage. Data has different value based off of how old it is. Instant, real-time data could be very valuable, especially in critical infrastructure, right? Or it could be very valuable later on once I've collected it and I'm doing training. But it might spoil over time. It depends on the data. Not all data is created equal. Okay, we're starting to see some really big new data architectures that are out there, including the maturity of data mesh architectures, which I think are going to be great as we start looking at data um, differently, as instead of I need to bring all my data to one place to do analytics, I now need to take the analytics to where the data is. I need to look at data as a commodity that I can use, I can monetize where it's at, I can monetize it together. So we're going to start seeing a lot more intelligent data movement across this vast ecosystem in the data center, in the cloud, on the edge. And we're going to start seeing the emergence of uh, data brokerages, uh, global data networks that are shared um, in uh, uh, co-opetition uh, type scenarios. We're going to start seeing more of that stuff. And we're going to need uh, ways of doing uh, these types of analytics on shared data in a confidential way. So I'm going to see confidential computing is going to be big this year, especially around data management and new um, data business models that we're going to see where people are not sharing the data, but they're sharing analytics from the data together. And they're, they're joining analytics from their own private data sets together to improve um, the industry or the community as a whole. So I, there's a lot of really cool things around data management that I truly believe we'll see this year. So I'm really interested in your feedback on this. Please um, put comments on uh, the blog or on the podcast or on the YouTube channel. I check all of them. And give me some of your ideas or go ahead and send me an email at uh, darren.w.pulsifer at intel.com. I, I read the emails. I enjoy feedback uh, from you guys. Tell me, maybe what did I miss? Maybe I missed something or something you want to hear on the podcast this year. I'm all ears. I want to hear your feedback. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.com. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.